Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. All right. We ready to go there, Mr. Reg? All set? You look uh, like you're ready to go. I'm feeling good today. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me just get my instrument in gear. <clears throat> uh, in the acting world, they actually have some uh, warm-ups, some warm-up exercises that uh, a lot of actors use before they go on to make sure that they enunciate correctly and uh, I guess that their mouths are relaxed and they're opening their mouths up so they can not only uh, pronunciate the words, um, pronounce the words, I should say, pronunciate. Uh, I guess that's a word, right? <laughs> but um, And also just, I guess, to loosen up, but just to make sure that you can um, project your voice as well. I don't really go through that. Um, my, I'm always, my, I'm, I'm always talking. My voice is always ready to go. <laughs> That's either good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm set. You set? Good. All right. I'll give you the, um, I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. That's pretty much the format we've been following and it's been working. So why the heck change it? All right. I like where the levels are. Everything seems to be fine, except we got to get started. Put it in the book. Episode 274. All right. Star, smile, strong. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or where you, uh, or wherever you go <laughs> to search for your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate this podcast. But most importantly, get out there and spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Anybody who listens to podcasts, tell them that you're favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion, and of course, that little extra effort just might get you into heaven. Now, how's that? That's not a bad deal. I have spoken to the Pope, and he has said that he may, if you can prove that you have done that, you keep your sent file of you know, you sent this out to people, you may get a special indulgence directly from the Pope right into heaven. That's not a bad deal, folks. (laughs) If you like what you hear, and up to this point, how could you not? Then go to the uh, podcast section at WGNRadio.com, hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will go in there and find all previous 273 episodes. I hope they're all there. It's one stuffed vault, which can only mean one thing. Welcome to episode 274. Before the uh, we started recording, I was 
talking to Reggie, my producer, and I was telling him that um, in the acting world, many actors, before you they go on stage, many actors have a, a very um, methodical and uh, routine that they go through before going on stage. Um, they will do physical uh, exercises or movements. They will do several different kind of vocal um, exercises, all to get their bodies loose and limber and ready, to get their mouths and their voices prepared. You need to pronunciate. You need to. Uh, you need to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Project, that's the word, another P word. You need to project, especially if you're on stage without any microphones. So, um, you know, it's not just, you don't just walk out there and uh, put on a costume and get going. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Now, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was not, I, I, I've been acting for about 20 years now almost, and I was not schooled in acting. I, 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 I didn't take acting classes. I didn't. Um, I wasn't in in the in drama club or in, or in, in drama in, in high school or in college, and so um, a lot of those things are part of your training. And so many of the actors that I work with who have been acting since they were you know little kids or certainly in high school or even in grammar school, you know they they there there's a whole routine that they go through. Now, I uh, would always have considered, uh, I played sports in high school. And so I still consider sports entertainment. A lot of times people don't get that, but it, it really is entertainment. Um, I, I, I consider that the fact that I'm able to go up in front of a crowd and, and, and perform, speak on stage, act, whatever it is, I've always, I've always felt very comfortable in front of people doing different things. And I, I do believe that, that's, that that goes back to having played sports at a very young age because you don't realize it, but uh, you are on stage. I mean, don't forget, even in Little League or in basketball or football, whatever, whatever sport you may play now, soccer, whatever sport it is, mostly, even if it's just parents, even if it's just people who are there to support you as opposed to a lot of you know um, strangers, and obviously, if you're playing against another team, you you don't know the people that are supporting them. You may know all the parents and friends uh, from your team, but you don't know the other side. So you are you are performing in front of people. You are for, you are performing, if you will, in front of uh, people you don't know from a very young age, and 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 you can uh, succeed or fail. So there is a nervousness right off the bat that you feel. And then if you get into a pressure situation where you need to, you know, you're in the clutch, you need to come through and stuff like that, that even adds more. And, and then if you do succeed, you, you, uh, you get confidence. But I believe that, that a great part of my, my uh, ease uh, in front of people has, can, be, can you know, date back to and be attributed to uh, playing sports at a very young age and sort of performing, and as I said, I believe, you know, you know, a lot of times people say sports and entertainment. I, I don't, I don't think there's an and. I think that's the same thing. Uh, and you know, sports and athletes 
are entertainers. They are performing something on a stage for paid people to watch and enjoy. So how is it any different than an actor? Just because there's some points being involved? Uh, you know, and, and there's a winner at the end, I guess. But yeah, I, I believe that sports ultimately is entertainment. And so I think, I, as I said, I would attribute that to uh, to being at a young age. So um, even though when I started to act, uh, I was backstage with everybody and I'm watching all, you know, everybody kind of going through these these little routines and 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 it's interesting too they're they're all very specific you know some are communal and then people will sort of go in a corner and and uh you know and do little things to you know say things to themselves and and do these little these little uh these little pre-show uh you know rituals to to psych themselves up uh, as I said before, pronunciate. They'll do these little rhymes, these little things that have different words in them that will force your mouth to go into um, you know different um, different formations. So you have to make sure that you are pronoun- pronouncing the words correctly. And uh, you know exercises, movements, stretching. Once again, though, you do that before a sporting event too. You stretch. You get loose. You psych yourself up so it's very similar uh as i said before performing and athletics very similar so while when i'm backstage i i first of all i didn't know any of these i mean it's it's funny too it's like the same even though people you know perhaps you know are are you know go to different you know they're trained in all different places right at different schools at different wherever they learn they start to learn as a young child and as a young adult uh, if they take acting uh, in any kind of formal training, everybody comes from somewhere different, and yet a lot of the same uh, uh, little exercises everybody learns. So everybody knows, like, okay, well, we're ready to do this, and everybody knows it by heart. Of course, I didn't know it, and I still don't know them because I don't really do them, and I don't, and I don't, uh, and I'm not trying to sound or feel. I hope I don't portray that to my fellow actors that i'm above it all but i just i don't need to do i i'm i'm always talking (laughs) so like i said before i i don't really need any kind of warm-up like that i'll I'll do a little stretching and stuff but some people go to really big extremes and especially if it's a musical uh they will be you'll be hearing people singing you know to get their voices ready to go and and uh and you usually have a little warm-up anyway with the group just to get your voices started and get your blood pumping and everything, but uh, I'm I I'll do I'll I'll do them, but I'm I'm not really I don't I I just like to do what I do for myself, and I'm I'm always feel like I'm ready, you know. Uh, I, I I can do that. I feel comfortable as you know, physically and mentally. When I get to the to the theater, I feel I'm ready. I don't need to go through a lot of that. But other people. They enjoy it. I think either it helps them ground themselves or they like the communal aspect. I said there's many games, once again, that are there about, uh, you know, it, it gets your memory going. You have to remember things and you're doing, you're doing something physically and you're doing something uh, mentally and you're talking. So you're, you're, you're putting together all of the, of your senses and all your talents that you need to do when you go on stage. But, you know, even before I do a podcast here, 
you know, aside from a little, <clears throat> that's it. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So uh, I'm ready to go. So let's do it. So what? Uh, oh, this, is, um, this is a topic I'd like to talk about today that I think most people that listen to this podcast can either relate to very um, personally or depending on your age, you may, may be beginning to realize this. And uh, so this can be a, a cautionary tale for you. And probably there'll be a lot of nodding going on from people that are a little older. But uh, I discovered this uh, recently, and 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 after I I made the observation, <laughs> I started to uh, to test it again and again, and it, it it seems to be a recurring result. So I I did my own little um, scientific testing going on here. Not sure how scientific it is, but so about, um, I don't know, about a month or so ago, I had to uh, take a blood test. And so I went to uh, an outpatient uh, area of a major hospital, right where my doctor is in the, in the same building. And it's a, it's a, it's a big, uh, it's where everybody, like if the doctor, if you say you go to see your doctor, it's not just in a medical building. This is in the hospital, part of the hospital. It's a big hospital. And, um, so if you need to take, you go to see your blood, you know, you see your doctor and they say, oh, you know, take a blood test for whatever reason you, uh, you go to this area, which is pretty big, big waiting room. And, uh, and that's where everybody is sent to either right after you have an appointment, go take this blood test or some other tests. I think they're mostly blood tests where, where, where this is. Uh, I think, you know, because they're actually giving COVID tests somewhere, uh, other, other place in the hospital. So this must be just blood tests, it seems, and urine tests. <laughs> How nice, right? So anyway, uh, it must be liquid tests. <laughs> uh, but... You know, these days uh, they order blood tests for everything, which is good. I I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I, at this point, I am not afraid to take a blood test. I I don't like needles, that's for sure. But I'm also uh, getting more used to them. I don't like needles more because it's uh, you know when you get that you know when you you know when they take blood from that your arm by your elbow and the inside there. Uh, my, my veins there are not very big and not very thick and they always have a hard time and I'm always black and blue and it always takes more than one or two chances and that's when it hurts. So I know that for an IV, that's where they rather go. So this way you don't, it's harder to dislodge the needle. Whereas if you put it in your hand, your hand moves around and it's easy to for the, the needle to move or get dislodged. So I understand why they, they put the IV in your, you know, in your arm there, in your forearm. But, uh, but in terms of taking a blood test, it's very quick most of the time, and you're sitting still, and then it's done. And I do have really good veins in my hands, especially my right hand for some reason. I mean, they're bulging. I'm looking at them right now, and they are bulging. The blood is definitely... 
Uh, I have no doubts that my blood is pumping right now. <laughs> and so I will say, look, can you, if, you're gonna, if I go for a blood test, I'm like, you know, can you please uh, just take it from my hand? And they're, and they're usually accommodating for a blood test. Uh, I was, one, one time I, I was in the hospital and, and, oh my gosh, you know, I was only there like overnight one time and I, I was just battered on both arms. You know, they were having such problems finding veins. In fact, in one time, they even brought in an, a special vein ultrasound machine to find the vein. So I'm not making this up. And even when she found the vein, when the ultrasound thing, she still had to, you know, maneuver around in there. So I, you know, this is genetic, I guess. I, my veins in my arms are not as big, and they don't bulge like, uh, like you know, like they should, I guess. So anyway, I'm I I've always had an aversion to needles. Probably started because of the fact. When I was in, I, I never, I've never, I think I said to you before, I'd never been overly sick in most of my life. So I never really had a lot of shots and never was really in the hospital for the first, you know, 50 years of my life practically. So I haven't really had a lot of IVs and things like that. Uh, the first real needle aversion I had was when I was in high school. They had a blood drive every year. And, um, and I was, I was, I was not big on needles. So, I was like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna donate blood. I'm not gonna volunteer to get a needle if I don't have to. Well, one guy in my class, we, we were, they had a big sign-up sheet, and they had, so then they, they, you know, they had a sign-up, and then they had the the uh, the schedule posted on a big chart of when people were going and what times they were going. And so I asked this guy, well, when are you going? Because I knew he. Had, he had signed up and he said, oh, I'm going, you know, Friday at 2.30. And so we were right by the, the big chart and I looked at it and I saw my name on, at 2.30 as well. And I'm like, what the heck? Why is my name on this chart? I didn't sign up for this. And this guy starts laughing. And I went to an all boys school, right? So everybody was, you know, you were getting... You're getting played pranks on left and right. This was more than just a prank, though. I mean, this guy signed me up to, to give blood, which I was not prepared or excited about doing. And I'm like, well, how did my name? And he starts laughing. And I'm like, he goes, I put you on there. Come on, give blood. Don't be a baby. And so, you know, I, you know, I had a couple of days to think about it. And so I said, you know, okay, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I should get over my aversion, right? I think I was 17 or 18. It's probably a junior or senior. So I said, I should get, a, I, you know, I, I need to overcome this fear and I should give blood. So I said, okay, I'll go, you know. So we went down to the little area there. I think they had like one of those little vans or like a little mobile home kind of thing where they did it in the parking lot. Oh, no, no, no. They actually did it in a room. They had it set up in, in like a room in the basement of the school. And... uh so I sit in, I get in there, and, and my, this guy, and I say friend in quotes now, <laughs> uh, and uh, so he's sitting down in one of those chase lounges that they have there, and I sit down, and the woman, you know, puts the strap on my arm and, you know, starts tapping, and, you know, and I, you know, if you ever gave blood, you know, it's one thing when you give blood for a blood test. 
But when you give blood to donate it, it's a, it's a bigger needle. It's a thicker needle. There's no question about that. It's not very thin. It's not like an IV needle. And so I went right to that big needle, you know, having not had a lot of shots in my life to this, this relatively big needle. And uh, so she sticks it in and, you know, it takes a few minutes to get that bag filled. And I had such a pain in my arm as this was going on. It felt like it was cramping. And it just hurt. It's and I and I it, it, I can't I can't really explain the pain, but it was like a soreness, and it was just a, like a cramping soreness. So I don't know. Once again, if if you know if, if the the veins in my arm are just not big, and I don't know what's going on, or maybe it's psychosomatic. I have no idea. But all I know is that my arm was killing me. So I started complaining. I said, "Oh my gosh!" to the woman. I said, "Geez!" I said, "My arm is killing me." And she's like, oh, stop it. You're, you're a big guy. You could take it. You're a football player. You know, she's giving me all that rap, you know, playing to my macho-ness. But I, at this point, I, I macho schmacho. I didn't care. I was in pain. This was really hurting. Of course, my friend is over there, and he'd given blood before, and I guess it was no problem for him, and he's laughing at me, and I'm sitting there going, I am dying right now. And so she's like, and, and and but you know I'm in the midst of it, and she's the woman even says, okay, just you know a few more, just give it a few more pumps. We're almost there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the squeeze and pump even hurt more. And when I got done, oh, I I was like, well, and I hate to, you know I'm oh, oh, I'm I, I'm not proud to admit this, but I have never given blood after that. It was such a traumatic experience, and there must be something because when. They take blood from my arms, especially my left arm. I have that same, still to this day, that it's it's not as intense because they're not taking as much blood as it is that, that constant when they're trying to fill the bag when you're donating. But when they've had to take some blood tests, you know, for a doctor thing, sometimes they'll take six, seven vials, you know, for different tests. And after a while, I am in, it's that same pain. So I'm not sure what it is. I don't have that pain when they put it in my hands, though. So who knows? But uh, so I had to get this blood test. So I go to this this waiting room, and I go in to register. And there's quite a few people in there. And there's people of all ages. There's some very elderly people there that, you know, clearly they're elderly. Uh, there's some people there that are, you know, accompanied by either a healthcare worker or a member of the family. There are some people in wheelchairs. Some people have walkers. Some people have visibly, you know, they either broke a leg or they've got, you know, some kind of a a cast or some kind of a wearing one of those, you know, boots. So they, you know, you've got all different people here, you know, at this in this area with all different kinds of of ailments. Uh, and for one reason or another, they're, they've been ordered to take a blood test of some sort. So it's a it's a it's an interesting, uh, you know, collection of people because it's all ages, and you know it's all different ailments. And some people, <laughs> and this is what I'm, you know, it's so funny when you, when you go to a, a hospital or a, or a doctor's office. I mean, you tell me, I'll tell you. You tell me, uh, and that's. Probably kind of this is kind of the main 
thrust of what I wanted to talk about today. But, you know, when you walk into a, even a doctor's office, which is relatively small, or if you go into a hospital and you're encountering people, or you go to a, 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 you know, a, a, an emergency room as well, you know, you're at the doctor for the most part for a specific reason. Now, I understand that sometimes you'll go to a doctor just for a regular checkup so you feel fine and you're not ailing. But a lot of times you do go to a doctor's office or you go to especially an ER where you've got something that needs immediate attention. Uh, and so you, 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 you're there for a reason. But even when you get there, even if you're sick when you go to the doctor's office or every kind of ailment, I don't know about you, but when you walk in, don't you measure yourself by the other people around you? And that don't, in your mind, at least in my mind, in my mind, everybody in there looks sicker than me. <laughs> so I could have something relatively serious, but I'll still feel as if someone else is still sicker than me. It's almost like I'm I'm here, but I really don't need to be, even though I obviously do. But there's something about we we at least in my mind. I don't know if you do this as well, but in my mind, I always try to to compensate or make myself feel better. In that, well, at least I'm not. Even even if there's something relatively sick, I'm not feeling well. There's something going on that I don't know about. A strange pain or something. Um, you still look around and you see this other person, you go, oh, well, at least I'm not as bad as that one. You know, or you see these people that are walking real slow, you know, or they're, you know, holding on to somebody and they don't even look that old, right? You know, uh, and you say, wow, look at that poor person. Well, at least I'm not that sick. It's funny, at least I do. I don't know if you do it, but I gauge, you know, my, my sickness against my fellow patients. And I, in my mind, even though I might be there for something relatively serious, thank God nothing, I haven't had anything like that, but at the time, you know, you've got some kind of pain, right? I still consider myself the least sick or the least serious of everybody in the room. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me feel good uh, just that I do something. Or do you do that too? Am I the only crazy one that needs to feel that they're not as sick as they really are? I don't know. I think maybe because I, I've been in relatively good health for most of my life that uh, I've always don't feel like I'm in dire need or in, in dire straits or something seriously wrong. If there is something wrong, I always feel like it's it's relatively minor and it can be... Uh, you know, taken care of quickly and we, and we move on. And if it's, if I'm there for some sort of a test in my mind, um, the, there, the test will show nothing serious or nothing wrong at all. It'll, the test will be negative. So that's the way I always walk into anything. Even when I've had something, I still look at it. Well, mine isn't as bad as that or as that person, or I'm not as bad as that one. So I'm at this, uh, this waiting room for this blood test in this major hospital. A lot of people and a lot of different people of all ages 
seemingly of a lot of different ailments, different sexes, men and women, young and old, you know, kids, teenagers, everybody's there. It's, it's the great melting pot. That is kind of the great equalizer in many ways is when you go to a hospital or an, an ER, you really see a cross-section of everybody. Because, you know, even, even, even relatively healthy people, especially in an emergency room, uh, can have an accident. So it may not be, you know, internally health-related, but, you know, they broke a leg, they fell down, they, they went skiing, or they, you know, they you know, played baseball, I mean, whatever. They, they, hurt, they broke an arm, they fell off a ladder, whatever it is. So even if they're not there for a medical emergency or some kind of infirmity that, you know, in, internal, um, a younger person could be there just as much as an older person who might have some kind of a, a chronic illness. You never know. So it really is a, a, a melting pot. And you really get a chance to see a, a cross-section of people. And as I said, you get a, a, cro- you get a chance to see um, different levels of, of, of sick people, <laughs> in my case, by which I judge my ailments by them. And I feel that I am, you know, the lucky one in the room. Oh, I mean, even when I'm in like in an emergency room or even if I'm, you know, if I've been, I've been in there a few times uh, or in the doctor's office, when they call my name, I will like spring up out of my chair and almost, I don't run when they call my name to, you know, to go to the next door, but I certainly like spring out of my chair and I have a skip in my step and I'm, how you doing? Because the person who says, how you doing? So I, I'm, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, hey, oh, you know, I'm always, I'm always make it sound at least, even if I internally am not feeling well and I've got a pain somewhere, I never let the other people in the room know that I'm, I'm like, it's almost like, well, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just making a visit just for the hell of it. <laughs> and I said, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, that's been the case. Whenever I've had to go into any of these kind of kind of things, uh, whether it's to the doctor or to an ER, it's never really been overtly serious where it's life or death. So I'm, you know, fingers crossed and 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 lucky lucky for that. That all may be different, you know, <laughs> if I was in different situations. But so I'm always like, hey, ho, you know, how's it going? So. Uh, I, I'm at this uh, room, and so there's this giant group of people, and everybody's sitting there waiting for their turn, to, their name to be called. And um, so first, you have to, it's a nice, it's an interesting system. You know, you don't just get in line. First, you go and you take a number, and you don't wait in line. You take a number, and then you just sort of sit down. And if it's too crowded, you'll stand on the side against a pole, which at this point, this is for this story, all the seats were taken. It's a pretty big room, and yet all the seats were taken, especially in the, a COVID world where there's people you know, spaced. Uh, the chairs certainly fill up quicker. So I'm standing there kind of leaning against a pole with my number, and then they call your number, and then you register. So there's a lot of different stuff going on. They're calling names, and those people are going in to actually have their test done. But then they're also reading off 
the numbers so there's so you can get into that esteemed class of being called in to you know to take your test when you're registered so you got kind of two you know two first you're waiting for your number to be called and then you go in and you get your test done so i've gone there in the past and it, this 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 room was this time it was very crowded i was surprised and it was early too it was early in the morning i went early on purpose and yet their place was jammed so as i said you you get your number and you wait for your number to be called and then you go up to the desk and you register and they confirm that you have your doctor has ordered a specific test and they will say okay you're here for this blood test for blah 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 why are you here type of thing and so you're all registered and as big as the room is um it's still small enough it's open it's not a, it's not an enclosed room it's off of a hallway it's open so people are walking through as well to get you know through the hospital lobby there um but you could still hear when people go up to the reception desk and give the information even though there is a glass you know the 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 administrator for the hospital is behind the glass you really can't hear that person but you certainly can hear uh the patient responding to the questions and i mean and 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 at this point you know what else what else are you doing except listening i mean you don't mean to eavesdrop i'm not trying to be nosy but there's really nothing else to do i mean you're basically i mean you know what i a lot of times i mean if you go to the doctor uh you're not expecting maybe to take a blood test so you don't even bring something to read right maybe you know you have something to read but for the most part if you went to your doctor you uh oh by the way i want you to take a blood test oh go downstairs and do it you're you know it's kind of like oh this is a little surprise here so you don't really at least i wasn't prepared with any kind of reading material and yes once again i guess this plays into it i don't have a smartphone now I I assume, or I I would say, just by hearing myself talk now, I'm sure to many of you I sound archaic, meaning, what do you mean bringing some reading material? You have your phone. Read your phone. You know, go go you know scroll go on a website, read the news on the web on your phone, check your email, check your Facebook page, text somebody, right? But once again, you have to remember my reality. I don't have that. So yeah, I would need to have some reading material with me. <laughs> just it just dawned on me. And now that I'm thinking about it, most people, if they if they're not there with a with a family or friend member who drove them there, or with a healthcare professional that's helping them navigate all this, everybody else was pretty much had their heads down, looking at their phones. I mean, that's what we do now. But once again, Mr. Flipphone here, I don't have that luxury. So if I don't have any reading material, some tangible reading material, magazine, newspaper, book in my hand, then I don't have the ability to scroll and 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 occupy myself with my phone. 
I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's good because it allows me to keep my head up as opposed to everybody having their head down and and uh, looking into their phones and not observing the real world. And meanwhile, my head, is, my my neck is straight. My eyes are forward, and I am observing the world around me and taking stuff in and and being influenced and uh, and motivated by my surroundings. I'm observing things, which allows me to make this observation, of which I'm going to talk about today. I mean, I have, you know, I mean, on this podcast, a lot of a lot of what I talk about are my own kind of observations. If I if I, I think I think by not having a smartphone and having my flip phone, which only has, you know, a, a certain amount of, of utility, it, it, it forces me to once again to observe, to look around and notice things that other people may never notice. Because they, they're too busy in their own world, in their own zone, scrolling on that phone, scrolling, 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 texting, texting, texting. Um, so while my fellow blood testers or urine testers are waiting for either their number to be called or their name to be called, most of them have their heads down in their own phones or are talking to a friend of theirs or a family member or a health care giver there with them. But I fall into none of those classes. I, I don't have anybody with me, and I don't have a smartphone to occupy my time or to keep me oblivious to the world around me. So I'm there looking around, listening, observing, taking in life, which is the way I like it. So as I'm standing there, observing, taking in life, while my other companions here are in their own little worlds, they call the numbers to check in. And so, I mean, this is another thing I find interesting. So everybody there that's already checked in, who either has already checked in and is waiting to go in for their test, or who has a number in their hand waiting for their number to be called so that they can register officially and get on the list to go in, they know the system, right? They've been through the system. They, if they're, if they're going to be called next to go in to take the test, they had to go and first get the number. Or they have the number in their hands now, and they know that, that they're going to call the number for them to register. So they know the system. I don't know the system because I'm not there very often. This was the first time I was ever in this area. So I didn't, or if it was, it was a long time since I've been in it, and I forgot the process. So there's somebody up at the desk talking to the receptionist who's checking this person in. And so what would you, well, if you didn't know the process of taking the number first and waiting for that number to be called to then go up to the, the desk, if you saw somebody by the reception desk talking, and you didn't know the process, what would you do? You'd wait behind that person to be next in line to go and register. Of course, six feet away. <laughs> so I, I walk up, 
And I see there's no line except for the person by the desk. Well, there really never is a line under this system, which is probably why they do it. You get your number, you go and wait, then they call your number. So there's never a line, and there's always just one person at the reception desk. So everybody that sees me walk up and sees me waiting in the line or or forming a line behind this person at the desk knows that I don't know the process because they've been listening. They knew that my, for instance, I don't have my number isn't called because they don't call the next number until the, the, the current person is done. So there's never a line there. It's probably because it's, it's, it's a crowded space to some extent and maybe because of COVID. But anyway, there's there in theory, there should never be a line. There should only just be one person at the reception desk and everybody else either seated or standing around there waiting for their number to be called or waiting for their name to be called. So if you see me standing there in a quasi-line behind the person or some extent, I'm not on their back, but I'm certainly in line with them waiting in my mind to go next after they're done. Everybody there knows that I'm 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 wrong. And meanwhile, while I'm standing in that line or, or what I think is a line, other people are coming up and taking numbers. So even though I was there before them, they will get called before me. And I was in line for probably, I was standing there for probably a good seven minutes until I observed, once again, head up, eyes straight ahead. I observed as I'm standing there, as the person is up at the desk talking to the, the administrator, I'm noticing now to my right that people are walking up to this little box around sort of around the corner and picking out a number or picking out something. I see them grabbing something out of a box. You know, I don't watch Columbo for, you know, I watch Columbo for a reason, you know. So I use my deductive thinking and I say, okay, wait a minute. You know, maybe I'm doing something wrong here. Because this guy, first of all, this guy is going through a lot talking to this person. He doesn't seem like he's going to be done anytime soon. And there's no one behind me, right, there's no one behind me in my, in this what I think is a line, so I'm not going to lose my space. So I I go around this little corner, and sure enough, there's a sign that says take a number. But you know it's not right there. It was a little off to the side, enough off to the side where it's not. You know you, your first instinct is to go to the desk. To the front of the desk. That's where the sign. If you don't want, if you don't want to put the numbers there, that's fine. But have the sign where most people are going to uh, uh, first go, so they understand the process. Because it really wasn't na- unless you've been there before, it wasn't natural to have gone around this semi corner 
to see that sign and to take the number out of the little box. It, it wouldn't have been your first move if you had never been there before or if you didn't know the process. So I believe that I wasn't being you know, non-observant. I just don't think that the sign was in the right spot because if, if the sign was in that general area and they, and they could have certainly put it on the, you know, it's a clear plexiglass. They could have put this sign either behind it or on the front to say, pick a number to be, to register and have an arrow toward that box. Th- then I wouldn't have made this mistake. So not was a big deal, but I, I, I know that I observed at least three or four people casually until it dawned on me that we're getting a number for something. And then I said, wait a minute, I wonder if this is wrong. But my point is, Everybody there in that room knew that I was A, in the wrong spot, and B, they saw that other people now were going ahead of me. People that got there you know, two, three, four minutes later than I did, five minutes later. I was there before them. I would have gotten called first because they call you by their number. By the order of the number. And so, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but, you know, four or five people, that could be another half hour that I'm waiting when I was already there. A blood test probably takes at least 10 minutes, right? 10 or 15 minutes, depending how, you know, so, you know, four people could be 45 minutes longer than I should have been there. So I waited, even if I was in that line for seven minutes, about five to seven minutes until I realized it, that five or seven minutes in reality could easily have been expanded in my overall waiting time before I got called to be another half hour or 40 minutes, if not more. So I was, when I got the number, I felt like a jerk. I felt like, oh, And I felt stupid because I felt like everybody knew that I made a mistake. And then I got mad to some extent, which I shouldn't have done because, you know, taking a blood test here. I don't know if that, you know, that changes your your blood. uh, (laughs) You know, you say your blood is boiling, right? So I, you know, but once again, I had now I had to wait much longer than I had to. So whatever, you know, irritation I was feeling was going to certainly dissipate by the time I actually got called a half hour later. But I was kind of like, geez, you know, no one could have just walked up and said, you know, you have to get a number. I would have done that. If I have to go back to that spot and I see somebody doing that, I would go up to them and say, excuse me, you have to get a number. Nobody did that. I was there for a good five to seven minutes and nobody thought to correct me. They just, and they saw the people getting numbers in front of me and I was just like, Wow. It's great to be. It's isn't it great? Aren't, aren't, don't aren't we just all great people? Oh, I'll tell you. If we haven't learned some lessons in the last year and a half about how people really don't care about each other, the, the if you if you if you still think that we're some loving country that everybody loves to, to is, is 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 you know holding hands and we're all in this together. Oh my God! Here's a perfect example. Forget about COVID. 
forget about the political ramifications. I'm here's a guy that sit who, who, who's 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 in the wrong line, and everybody I'm sure no, and I'm not saying everybody's noticed me, but at the same time, you know, well, everybody is waiting to hear their name called or to hear their number called. So there is a certain amount of attention being paid to what is going on by that desk. So if you see somebody that's standing behind that person who who isn't standing, who, who, who didn't walk up with that person who's up at the desk now, you would assume that they're waiting in a line that doesn't really exist and people are getting ahead of them. Wouldn't you think that someone would just you know, kindly just say, or or even if they don't know, maybe it's enough to say, excuse me, are you waiting in a line because you have to get a number? Oh, thank you. Now, either people don't care. They, they think it's funny to see me in this fake line or to get back to my original point. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard about my fellow blood takers or urine test takers. Maybe... Few, if any of them, even noticed it because everybody's head is in their damn phone. If they were straight up, instead of buried in that damn phone, reading nothing, texting about nothing, I'm sure half the texts the texts that were being sent by people while they're waiting was, oh my God, I'm so bored. Oh my gosh, when are they gonna call my name? I mean, this this is the great this is the great communication that we're using with these phones. You know, I'm so bored. I've been here for twenty minutes. I wish I was home. When are they going to call me? I'm sure that was the extent of these of these great texts. Everybody's so crazy about having to text. That's that's the that's the that's basically what most texts are. Oh my gosh, I'm so bored. Where are you at right now? I'm over here. What are you doing? Wow, that's that's really that's must that's must communicate information there. But yeah, maybe my fellow blood tester takers didn't even notice me. Maybe I shouldn't blame them for not for being rude, but I should blame them for being self-absorbed in their own little worlds with their phones. They're still at fault. <laughs> so anyway, I get my number, and now I'm waiting for my number to be called. And so I'm standing there, and I'm relatively close to the desk as I'm leaning against this pillar. I'm not right there, but I'm close enough. I'm close enough where, as I said, Being the observant person that I am, I'm obviously focused on the reception desk because they're going to call numbers. And so I'm kind of just focused on what's going on around there. I'll move my head around every so often and take a look around and see what's going on and and, and also get a get a feel for who has gone next and, and did I see them? Were they did they come in? before you know like where are we in the whole scheme of everything right so you sort of get a lay of the land and you say well that person wasn't here so i know i'm going to be before them oh but those four people here were here when i first got here so they're going to definitely go before me you sort of gauge where you're at right so those are the kind of observations i'm making as i'm standing again leaning against the pole but i pretty much have my my 
attention focused in the direction of the uh, administrative desk there, the reception desk, where they will call the next number, which gets me to register. So if you've been to a hospital in the last several years, and I don't know how long this has been going on, I'm just doing it from my own experience, uh, you know, they ask you your name, but they also ask you your birth date because you're always, re- that's how you're registered. So even if somebody has the same name as someone else, the odds of having the same name and the same birth date are pretty rare. So this way they know they have the right person. And this is where it got interesting. So I'm standing there and, okay, I know what year I was born in, right? As I'm listening to the people get, you know, they call number seven. The person walks up there and they say your name. And once again, I'm not eavesdropping on purpose. I'm just, it's this casual listening. You know, the, the person's talking, uh, you know, through a mask and through a, a plexiglass. So the person talking is talking a little louder than usual anyway. So it's not as if you're eavesdropping. You can't help but hear this unless you totally tune it out. But my instincts are keen. So I'm hearing this. And so I'm, you know, person walks up and, you know, you take a look at them, right, physically. And and then you hear them say their birth date. And you hear them say their, the year, especially. Now, it would be very cool if you heard someone had the same birth date as you, right? That would be kind of neat. I didn't hear that. Nobody was born on January 8th. But maybe subconsciously I was listening for that. Who knows? But I was hearing the year they were born. Talk about OMG. Wow. I talked about at the beginning here how you always wanted to feel, at least I do when I go into the waiting room of a hospital or an ER, that I am the least sick of all the other people in there. Well, in this case, I didn't really know what people had, right? I wasn't in a wheelchair. I didn't have a walkers. I didn't have a boot on my, you know, cast or a boot on my leg. So I knew I was okay. But I'm looking around just physically, just physically at the people. And I'm hearing the years that they were born. Now, I don't know whether I should feel good or feel depressed about what I was hearing from these different people, men and women, walking up to the desk and telling the person behind the desk their date of birth. Because I was in shock to see how many of these people I was older than. And not just older than, but if you would have asked me without knowing their birth dates, were they younger or older than me based on nothing but physical appearance of how I saw them, most of these people I would have thought were older than me or within a couple of years younger than me but certainly it looked like most of the people 
I would have said, well, that person's older than me. Now, this goes to, I think, your own vanity as well as we don't really, we don't really know what we look like to other people, right? And, you know, I think there, there is a, something about that, that even when you get older, you look in the mirror and you see that same person that you've always seen. You still look at that person that looks like they were 16 years old. Even if you're in your mid fifties or your sixties or your seventies or eighties, I think when you, I, at least from my personal experience now, when you look into that mirror, you really don't see the person who's in that in that mirror. I still think we have we are so used to seeing ourselves that we we freeze ourselves in a certain look or a certain era. And we are we stay there unless we really take away all the facades and really look. But I'm looking at some of these people and I'm hearing the years they are born in. And in some cases, I think I'm younger than them just by physically looking at them. And in some cases, I am 15 years older than they are. Or more. Like 20 years younger. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm 20 years older than that person? I don't think I look 20 years older than that person. But maybe I do. They're tw- I mean, 20 years is a long, 15 years is a lot of time to be younger or older than somebody. That's the difference between 15 and 30. Now, maybe when between 30 and 45, you know, it might get a little, um, a little different or 45 to 60. It also, you know, you might look a little, but you know, so as you get older, that, that disparity gets lesser than when you were an adolescent to when you were an adult, right? You can tell a 15-year-old from a 30-year-old, but sometimes you can't tell a 30-year-old from a 40-year-old or a 45-year-old. But I, so now, once I heard a few of these, I mean, these people were 10 to 15 years younger than me, and I thought they were all older than me or about my age. So now I've got some new way to spend my time. Now I'm almost hoping they don't call my number for another half hour because I am so intrigued. I have got a new game going now in my head. And that game is, am I younger or older than this person? (laughs) And I swear the time flew by and I lost on almost everyone. Now, there were some that were obvious, right? I mean, you go, okay, this guy's going to be older than me or this woman's older than me. So, the, But there were some where I was like, okay, this person I think I'm, I'm younger than. And they would say the year of birth, and they were 10 to 15 years younger. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Either they have had a tough life or I don't really know what I look like. And are they are they doing the same thing when I go up there and I when I say my year do they go oh my god that guy is only that age I would hope I mean in my mind I think they're going wow he's that old I'm I'm I when I go up there I'm hoping when I say my date of birth I'm hoping that everybody who's playing my game the 
are they older or younger than me game? I hope when I go up there, they go, wow, I never expected that guy to be that age. I thought he was younger. When I played the game, there were few people I ever thought were younger than me. So then this one guy walks up. Because uh, now, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm missing on everybody. I'm like, oh, 10 years, oh, 12 years, oh, 50, what, 20 years. Well, oh. I, I, you know, my head is spinning. I don't even care now that I'm there for a blood test or I've got some kind of, you know, I need to get the test done. I'm, I'm consumed now with who's younger and who's older than me based on their birth dates and who I'm seeing. And I'm seeing some people that are maybe like my age and they look 70. You know, I mean, they look like 15, 20 years older than me. And they're like two years younger than me or, or my age. I'm like, oh my God, wait a minute. What's going on? Is this my peer group here? Do I look that old? I mean, I'm going through some major crises, you know, midlife crisis as I'm leaning against this pole waiting to get my blood test. I didn't expect this because I don't now, my, my, my whole perception of, of myself is in question. I like to think that I'm in fairly good shape physically. I don't have any crow's feet, so I like to think that I could pass for at least my age or a few years younger, but I'm looking at some of these people, and I'm going, wait a minute, if they're older, if, they're, if they look like that and they're younger than me, then how the hell do I look to other people? So then there's this one guy that comes in, and he looks, and I say, now this guy looks my age. I think I look this guy's age. So now he's he's his number is after me. But I'm still not going to get called for a while. So I'm praying to God that I get that I don't get called in for the blood test before I get to hear this guy's age because now I'm consumed. I mean, I've been there for a good 40 minutes anyway, and I have lost on every guess. As I said, there's some people that were obvious. I didn't even bother. I'm like, I know that person's older than me, and they were. But the ones, I'm like, okay, this person has to be. And, well, five years younger, 10 years younger, 15 years younger. One guy, once again, was 20 years younger than me, and I thought he was older than me. I couldn't believe it. So I see this guy walk in now. Now I'm basing this now on, on I guess, now I'm looking at my fellow uh, you know, blood testers, takers, and I'm like, okay, well, I have to re I have to recalibrate my like what I think now because my view and whatever I was using to determine this my radar is way off so I've got to recalibrate but then this guy walks in and I go all right I think this guy looks around my age and he looked like he was in you know good shape relatively good shape looked mature looking but not decrepit looked like that's my peer if i if i look like him to other people i would be happy right because now i'm completely paranoid as to who you know who, who, you know who, what what i look like to other people i i think i know what i look like to myself which is you know a 16 year old kid obviously in my mind but I'm now, I've got a whole different viewpoint of what do I'm looking like to the outside world? Because if, if I'm seeing these people, they're looking at themselves the same way, right? We're all vain like that. So my whole universe is, you know, you know, is shifting right now. I've got an earthquake in my head. 
all my perceptions about myself and the people around me have are changing before my eyes as I'm hearing, you know, uh, what year were you born? 85. 85? You know, that, that would mean you're 36 years old. I thought this 36-year-old person was older than me. <laughs> when I heard 85, I almost, I almost fell off the pillar I was leaning on. So I'm like, oh, my God. So this guy gets called before I get called for my blood test. And I'm like, yes, thank you. So now my I my I'm like a my, I'm like a I'm like like a hunting dog. My ears are are sticking out and they are just, you know, focused on this guy going up there to tell his year that he was born. And he was born a year before me. So I said, "Okay, wait a minute." Now, I had a little faith now my radar. Okay, I said, "So that guy Looks like I would hope someone of my age looks, and he was my age. So maybe these other people are, they've just led harder lives than me. Maybe they're, they've had poorer health than me, because I think that I look more like this guy, and it turns out we are about the same age. So I breathe a sigh of relief, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying here. I'm not not just for the sake of the story. Two minutes, two minutes, if that, after I heard him give his date of birth, I get called to go to get my test done. And I, once again, now I, it was as if I was given new life. Like I was just given a youth serum. Because I, as, as, as I was hearing these people give these years that they were born and they were younger than me, I, be, I could feel myself, you know, getting depressed and, and actually slouching more and more on this pillar. Like it was just the weight of this reality was killing me. But when I saw this guy get his name called and go up there and say he was a year younger than me, I'm not exaggerating. I felt my, I, I leaned up on the pole again. I wasn't even leaning on the pole now. I was kind of standing up straight. And then it was as if I, you know, the, the, the gods were with me. They had depressed me for 40 minutes. And then just before I'm going to have my name called and I'm going to walk in and I make my, my, my dramatic walk toward the door so everybody sees me, I will be able to not be walking slouched over and depressed but I'll be able to do that usual hop and skip in my step kind of walk that I usually do in the doctor's office when I feel that I'm the least sick of everyone else. I was feeling that way again. It was as if I I had to go through this tunnel. And then I see this one guy. He turns out to be what I would hope someone my age looks like. And then I have a whole new lease on life. And then with this new, refreshed, rejuvenated outlook on myself and the world around me, my name is called and I spring into action. I take a little hop and I walk quickly. Most people are dragging and they're having someone help them and it takes them long. And I'm almost sprinting to the person and to the door to get that test. Like, hey, what do you need? 
How much blood do you want? Let's go. Hey, put it, put the needle wherever you want. I'm ready to go. And it was as if there was some divine intervention to say, okay, Jim, I, you know, I don't want you to be feeling this bad about yourself. So I'm going to, I'm going to let this other person come in and, 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 and just in, in right before you're done, we're going to leave you with a, on a high note as opposed to being depressed for the rest of the day. I don't know what this guy's name was. I don't know whatever thing, but whoever you are, thank you, sir, for being there, for taking that number, and for being my age-appropriate friend for that day. Because within the span of 40 minutes, I felt so old. And then in the span of five minutes, I felt young again. The lesson is when you go to the doctor's office from the next time, listen to when people say their date of birth and play the younger or older game. I guarantee you, you won't want to get called in. You want to be waiting in the doctor's office for an hour before they call your name. It's that fun. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. Don't forget, we are there. And also, don't forget to tell your friends and tell your family. Send them a link, send them a message that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion and a little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 274. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. I'm older than him? <laughs>